Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This crowd rises to its feet. Hakaro slammed it home. Garland left wing. Three ball. Perfect. Garland in front of the lane. Locked. The Mobley pow. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com. The Cleveland Cavaliers take care of business against the Houston Rockets and clinch a playoff berth for the first time since 2018. Joining me today to discuss it is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Justin, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled, uh, that this team is playoff bound. I'm thrilled that this team appears to be taking care of business, uh, just as I, uh, thought they might, uh, I was really, really bullish around about this in stretch and they are, they, you know, it hasn't always been pretty every second. Uh, hi Isaac, uh, game winner, uh, <laughs> being required. Um, uh, but they, they are playing really, really good basketball and it was really, it's so fun when they play teams like the Rockets, because you're like, oh, they're like several classes above this team. Yeah. Like, like it's so clear that they are that the Rockets aren't even close to the level of the Cavaliers from a talent perspective, from a culture and organization perspective. And it also like it almost like watching watching this Rockets team kind of made me realize like, you know, this is why we get optimistic in the off season and then get let down when teams aren't, you know, when these young rebuilding teams aren't that good. Cause you just look at the talent and you go, you find seven or eight guys you really like on that Rockets team, but then you see it in action and there's just no organizing principles. There's no on either end of the ball. Um, and all that talent doesn't mean much. And the, the Cavs just looked, you know, kind of spursy, uh, you know, like peak Duncan spursy against that team where they were just kind of grinding them. Uh, into dust for the vast majority of the game. Obviously, uh, Houston got made it competitive in the third quarter, but um, luckily I was giving my son a bath at that point. So uh, I missed the <laughs> entire run where Houston made it competitive and I came right back in as, as the Cavs started uh, blowing, the, blowing the doors off them again. So you're welcome, uh, guys, uh, for coming back. And uh, yeah, it was a fun win. It was a fun win. And just like the Isaac Okoro uh, three-pointer coming against Brooklyn being fitting and poetic, kind of feels poetic that the Cavs clinch a playoff berth against the Houston Rockets. The same Houston Rockets that decided, eh, we don't really, we don't value Jared Allen in a trade. It's fine. We can just get a, a first for him instead. Uh, that passed on Evan Mobley. And, you know, it doesn't always work out. Even when you draft talented players, it doesn't always work out. But for the Cavs, drafting Evan Mobley has been a franchise changer. The Cavs are 86 and 57 when Evan Mobley plays for his career so far. Uh, Evan Mobley does not know what losing seasons look like. Basically, 30 games over uh, 500, Carter. That's 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 insane. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, honestly, Justin, I just have one question. When the hell is Evan Mobley? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just think that this guy uh, has taken a, a leap and watching him do different stuff and new stuff uh, every single game. Uh, how about the 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 shoulder straight into Jamari Smith's chest for the for the jump hook? How about the, the multiple uh, layups in transition where he 
you know, so clearly was trying to get to a spot and, 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 and was able to finish. How about the offensive rebounds? How about the post fades? This guy is taking no, you the can't, lead. You can't, you can't just breeze past the offensive rebounds because that possession where he just uh, reached it was over, grabbed those two offensive rebounds, created the second chance opportunities for three, and then just basically went Thanos at the end saying, okay, I guess I'll do it myself and had the put back dunk. Like Mobley in the first half, it really seemed like he, he was sending a message and it also seemed like he was just trying stuff. Uh, I, I tweeted he learns basketball at the same rate that uh, Dewey Cox learns uh, guitar. And like it, it just seems like he's always adding so much to his game. And, and just the, the flashes, the, there was the one play that resulted in a turnover at, at half court. But the dribbling combinations that led to that beforehand, it was insane. Like I, he almost pulled off the move. And it, it just seems like he keeps advancing at, at such a ridiculous rate. And I mean, we were definitely on the optimistic end of the spectrum when it came to Evan Mobley. We were incredibly high on him, and we were too low. Like, he is that good. He is a legitimate franchise changer. He is a budding superstar. Zach Lowe even wrote about uh, Evan Mobley uh, coming close to to superstardom and being a a, a budding two-way star in this league. And I think it's becoming more and more obvious, and we've said it a million times, but the most encouraging thing is his growth doesn't feel like it's coming at the expense of anybody else. Like it, all four of the core are playing so well at, at the same time that you, you might have like the odd shooting slump uh, fr from certain guys, but it doesn't feel like they're being taken out of the game by his success. I had a galaxy brain uh, thought while, while I was watching this game today. And I want, I want to vibe check you in real time to see if this makes any sense at all. Okay. Okay. I was watching Mobley and I'm like, man, he's already, you know, becoming, you know, a star like the, like that's already happening. And the fact that he's going into this playoffs as a budding star, as opposed to a promising young player, I feel like speeds up the learning curve for the next couple of years. The fact that he's kind of come into the playoffs as a high usage player, mm -hmm. uh, as a guy who is eating possessions, that is going to be, high in the scout uh for uh for opposing teams he's going to get game planned against i feel like he's going to get more to learn from as a this off season because of the fact that he's coming into the playoffs as the caliber of player he is right now as mm -hmm. opposed to maybe where he, what he was even at the beginning of the season yeah no i i think that that's true in and... galaxy brain or <laughs> no no or... i i think that's true because i mean Think back to the preseason podcast that we did with uh, Jamal Richardson, where we were talking about what goes into player development and how much collaboration there is between the coaching staff, the, the people that these guys work with in the offseason, the trainers and, and everything. There's just going to be such like the game tape is going to be way more interesting as a result of how far advanced Mobley is already, right? Like the, the problem solving and the things he's going to need to add to his game and the counters to what he already does well, it's five steps ahead of where you would think it would be at this point. And it's at the point where teams are going to game plan against them, as you said, right? So when you see what teams are doing to game plan against you and take you away, that is more informative when you're kind of putting together an off season package, when you, when you're trying to figure out what those next steps are. So I do think anytime that you're ahead of schedule, it helps you continue to be ahead of schedule. So I, I, I think, it's not galaxy brain at all. Um, and I mean, it's, it's really interesting because you don't see good young teams that are typically this carried 
by their young supporting cast. There, there's usually a veteran or two, like even the, the, the Celtics teams that went to the Eastern Conference Finals and uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's first year, you had Al Horford, right? Like a, a multi-time All-Star. You, you had Isaiah Thomas. You had all these guys that had been around for a while that, that were able to, to shoulder a load. And uh, to, to, whereas with the Cavs, like it's going to be all on these young guys. And I, I think that's what makes this so fascinating. Yeah, I just think about how much, how many licks Giannis had to take in yeah. the postseason and how like it takes a couple years of getting stymied. Like almost no one gets to exit the playoffs gracefully, right? Like almost no one gets to no one gets to just be like, man, we lost, but it was awesome the whole time. No. <laughs> like normally, normally someone figures something out about you and you don't have the answers in your back pocket. And like, I want as many of those, and this is part of the reason why I was angsting about the, uh, the bench and the role players, uh, you know, just a couple weeks ago was like, I don't want them. I'm okay. Knowing that maybe they're not going to be the, the strong, the strength of the team, but they can't prevent us from learning about the stars. Right. Yeah. And like, so like, I want this team to learn as many lessons as they can uh, this, uh, this postseason, like, that's why I want a second round trip among many reasons. But like, I think that, but like, I think that like the, the more there is to autopsy for this young core, uh, in the off season, the better, because like, depending on what they show, like, I think they're going to be ahead of schedule across the board. Like I I'm, I'm already thinking about what a deep, deep playoff run looks like, uh, in 23, 24. Uh, and what it, what it'll take to get there because um you know i think i think they've earned that level of attention given their age and uh yeah i think i think mobley is going to get challenged a little earlier than i thought he was going to i thought he was going to get a playoffs where he gets to just kind of do cleanup duty mm-hmm. um but not if he's going to play not if he's this good like he has to factor into the offense yeah he, he really does and and i mean we've talked about it a lot like i i think maximizing Evan Mobley is the key to kind of countering what some of the defenses are going to do against the guards. And you're right. Like nobody does exit the playoffs gracefully. Even if the Cavs do go to the second round and it's a competitive series where they lose, you're still going to see a lot of angsting. You're you're going to see people freaking out over it. Um, The the same way that in a 50 win season, which everybody says is, is like the standard of having a great year, you're still going to lose 30 times and you're going to have 30 nights over the course of several months where everybody panics and everyone's super low on the team. Like that's just the nature of fandom. And, and we kind of have to understand that, but you're right. You're, you're going to take some lumps, but it, even Jason Tatum post the finals, like the Celtics had this you know magical run, but Tatum looked bad in yep. the last few, uh, the last stretch of the finals, because you, again, you don't get to, especially when you're a star that matters, you really don't get to exit gracefully. Because most of the time, if you if you're not playing well, that's the reason your team lost. Yeah. So like even Tatum, uh, like Celtics fans looked and said, "Oh, hey Jason, there's something you need to get better at uh, if you want to win a title." So uh, it's just it, it's a natural process. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And before we get too big picture, we should probably just kind of touch on on more of this game tonight. Uh, obviously, sure. there, there's not a lot of real takeaways uh, when, when you're playing the Rockets. Um, you you can see kind of within the flow of the game, how they can catch a team on the, the wrong night, right? They're the best rebounding team in the league. I thought the Cavs did 
a very good job winning that battle. Um, that's very important when you, when you want to beat the Rockets. Uh, so they, they had a 28 to 24 edge overall on the boards. Jared Allen with half of the Cavs rebounds. He had 14 of their 28 boards. Uh, they also had the edge 13 to 12 on the offensive glass. Um, you know, uh, just, just I think you are looking at the defensive rebounding numbers, to be clear. Okay. Cavs out-rebounded them 41-36. Okay, well, thank you. I Again, rushing to put together a show sheet, but that's that's okay. actually that's okay. a help that's a helpful correction. I appreciate that. Um, so no, he didn't have half of their boards, but you know what? It, it sounded great when I wrote it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, these are the type of games that they're the really only thing you get out of it is entertainment, which is great for a weekend game, uh, especially an uh, early weekend game when uh, we've got uh, the secession uh, season premiere on in my mind. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. There's a lot of fun seeing it mobily go to work in the, in the first half. Uh, Cavs go completely dead in the third quarter. Um, just missed a bunch of shots, took their foot off the gas. Uh, it, it happens when you play a team like Houston. Uh, but then Jared Allen just completely took over in the fourth quarter. Had some vicious, vicious blocks. Uh, had a nice steal there as well. Uh, both Mobley and Allen uh, had... Uh, three blocks and one steal each <laughs> incredible defensive performances as usual. And, and the other half of the, uh, the equation of when you're looking at the, the big men that Houston passed up on Jared Allen, 24 points, 14 rebounds, as I said, three steals, one block and one assist and the junkyard dog chain, which I, I thought was very deserved. Yeah. He, uh, he played, I think someone, I, I don't know, made, made, I'm doing a little editorializing, uh, but you know, forgive me, but I think someone said something to the guy. Um, cause he played a little nasty <laughs> in that fourth quarter, like a little FU energy, uh, down the stretch. I mean, some absolutely vicious des- denials, some really, really strong catches, um, where through contact, um, some great finishes through contact, just really, really took over, uh, late. I think, I think he's the reason, I, I mean, I think the Cavs are going to win, but he's certainly the reason they were able to send in. Uh, the reserves with a couple minutes left uh, yeah. in the game, and uh, yeah, he was he was awesome, and I thought he needed that. I I didn't really love his uh, uh, his last game in Brooklyn, uh, and really his last two games in Brooklyn. Ever since he uh, ever since he came back, um, you know, it's just I feel like he's been a little up and down. You know, uh, his last three games prior to this one, he had six points, twelve points, and twelve points. Um, you know, just wasn't really getting a ton of opportunities um, despite playing heavy minutes and not finishing at the rate we're used to him finishing. So a 24, 14 and three, that's our, there, there's our guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, th- there's going to be nights, right? Where, where this is the case. Like that's a nice thing about where the Cavs have advanced to throughout the season is when guys do have an off night, like DG again, didn't have a great shooting night, might be in a bit of a shooting slump, uh, 17 points on 16 shots. Felt like he was kind of trying stuff against the Rockets a, a fair bit in this game. Like uh little little showy a couple times where maybe 50-50 call where you could have got contact. But dating back to the last couple Brooklyn games, I, I think it's worth noting at least that he appears to be in a bit of a shooting slump. But that's not something that kills the Cavs anymore, right? Like you do have the bigs that step up and contribute 40 plus points uh combined right and and their impact on the defensive end we've seen a lot of times where donnie hasn't played well recently and and that doesn't matter because garland's able to get it going with the bigs certain matchups you're going to have different disadvantage or you're going to have different advantages and especially as mobley really emerges if teams really 
kind of sell out to defend Evan Mobley and the three guards, and they're they're running their their horns or, or Spain actions with, with the three of those guys. You fall asleep. All three of them are such talented passers. They're going to be able to find Jared Allen. He's going to be able to expose some of those opportunities, and that's what you're really hoping to have with this kind of four-headed Hydra that the Cavs have. And you're you're right. Like there's overall, maybe he's going to be the guy that see some of his numbers come down but if you look at 20 uh 2023 on the whole he's actually up right like it's over 15 points per game still that's a lot of production even though Mobley's averaging 19 and garland and mitchell have been playing really well uh so there is some witch doctor that the Cavs uh sacrificed you to have all the four of these dudes get better and have their numbers (laughs) either stay stay the same or get better i guess like sure they i guess there's a little trade-off and you know that you don't have the kevin love production uh, from last year, so maybe that just got redistributed uh, up to those four. But my God, yeah. it's so nice because these dudes are all going to play forty minutes a game in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I tweeted this out. I, I did a little thread, kind of celebrating the, the Cavs clinching a playoff berth for the first time. But we, like we already knew that Mobley and Allen were really good together. They were great last year, uh, but this year, per clean the glass. Uh, so again, no garbage time. They have a plus seven point four net rating when they share the court. And you look at last season, the Cavs had a a 108.6 offensive rating when Mobley and Allen were on the court. This year, it's 119.2. Ooh, baby! And obviously, some of that, you know, is adding Donovan Mitchell, but it goes to show you, right? Like, what we said last year was that they worked together at the worst that they were going to be. Like, Mobley's ability to shoot the basketball was at its lowest point because he was a rookie and he's only going to get better. Jared Allen was 23 years old and they still have room to grow together. They have room to grow within the the context of this team. And I think people have, I I had someone bring up that they don't think that Jared Allen really has another leap left in him or or that possibility isn't there unless he magically adds a three. And I don't think that's the case. Like, I, I think... You can continue to see the improvement that he's shown on the defensive end. I think he can go from a very good like 90th uh, percentile defense uh, rebounder to like a 95th, right? Becoming an elite defensive rebounder. The physical maturity of, you know, entering your physical prime when you're 26, 27 years old, that allows you to be as imposing of a defensive threat in every single matchup, right? Like, I, I think there's a physical maturity thing that he's not all the way there. I think those types of improvements in the margin can collectively add up towards a leap. And I, I just think that this pairing is just going to continue to get better the longer that they're together. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I guess, like, I don't really even care if Jarrett takes another leap. I just think he's going to get better, you know? Like, it's not I, as essential I, as the other three, right? Yeah, and, and but, like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, you know, leap is really probably for the people who are going from good to great, great to elite, etc. I just think he's already good. Um, and if he gets five percent better every year for the next four years, then he is knocking right on the door of great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, like the I I I always get even though you're just representing a bit of a straw man. Uh, argument of like you know some random person saying you know, he's it, out of it three. wasn't even a, a straw man like I, I'm not well I'm, uh, no, no, I'm just saying like you, you're kind of talking about I, yeah yeah no no yeah. what I'm saying is you're making you're like a, you're just taking a statement of he might add a three and adding it to you know some random non-entity you're not quoting someone right, right? um 
but even when you do that, I kind of roll my eyes because like that kind of stuff always drives me crazy because it's like most of the time, like it's rookies don't suck in the NBA because their 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 bag isn't good enough or their skill isn't good enough. Almost mm-hmm. 99% of the time it's because they're stupid. They don't know where to go. <laughs> they they don't know what their job is. Man, uh, there were so many times where I watched Jalen Green tonight. I'm like, man, you've got a lot of tools, but you're like, you're swinging the hammer the wrong way. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like, so like, you know, like we're going to see Jared get better over the next couple of years because he's going to, uh, you know, keep his feet uh, a little bit better when he switches onto guards, because he's seen enough tape, uh, he's going to, uh, you know, hit that pass in the short roll five sec point five seconds earlier. You know, stuff that are, is, is not, a, you know, a, you can't equate it to a two K rating. Um, and I, I think that like that's really what we're going to see from him over the next couple of years, because you do get better as you get older, uh, you because you just get smarter. Um, yeah. So I don't actually care if he adds one skill to his to his uh to his tool bag as long as he just continues to be a smart selfless player that gets smarter and and, and smarter every year yeah I, I completely agree i think i would still pick free throw shooting for both mobley and allen because i i think that's one of those kind of small things on the margins that i really like to see more improvement uh mobley had a bit of a a tough day at the the line but overall he was just so damn good and it's just, you know, it's another one of those examples of, of just how special that pairing is. And it's a pairing that's as special as the Chase Down podcast and Zoom because support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. Carter, I want to shift this conversation a little bit because it's official and now we can finally say, uh-oh, the Cavs are playing playoff basketball. We are back, <laughs> baby. We are so damn back. Uh, the Cavs have a dominant lead over the, the four seed. It looks pretty much all but locked up. And we can probably almost lock it up that Friday game against the Knicks uh, because they'll have tiebreaker implications. They play a couple of games before now. They play Miami on Wednesday, which is going to be really important. Uh, but when, when you're looking at kind of the, the playoff picture here, there's also a slight possibility that they can get up to three because the Cavs are only two games back of the Philadelphia 76ers who have a hellacious schedule to finish this season. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, a seeding that we thought was done and dusted um, as Philly, you know, blasted through their unbelievably tough part of their schedule after the All-Star break. It's the door is back open. Uh, they've lost three out of the last four. Um, the Cavs are two games back. Uh, they do require the Sixers to lose four more games, and the Cavs got to win out. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, it's tough. You you see a team two, you see uh, the Cavs being two back, and you go, "How is that possible?" Well, the Sixers have the tiebreaker. Um, so uh, Cavs have to finish with twenty eight losses, and the Sixers got to finish with twenty nine. Uh, and the Sixers have 25 losses right now. So uh, you look at uh, the the odds. They're still probably not great because uh, the Sixers team is very good, but then you look at their schedule. They have uh, at Denver, they've got versus Dallas, uh, who Dallas is a mess in fairness, but at Denver is, is a really challenging game, and Denver just had a huge win against Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Then they got Tor- versus Toronto at Milwaukee, 
versus Boston versus Miami at Atlanta at Brooklyn to close the year. And we were talking pre uh, pod and you made the great point. All these teams are going to be, you know, kitchen sinking the Sixers. Every single one of those teams is playing for their playoff lives. Like Dallas is outside of the plan right now, which is hard to believe given how bad the Western conference is. Um, but they're trying to make the postseason period. All Toronto's trying to, to get up into the 7-8, right? Atlanta is playing for their playoff lives. Every single one of these teams is playing for their playoff lives. And obviously we know the, the matchup against Denver tomorrow is going to be a fascinating one because there's the MVP debate, uh, you know, wait to that matchup. Uh, Joel Embiid and Jokic going head-to-head. You also have, that's third game in four nights for Philly on the road. And I can't think of a place that I'd want to play in less than Denver in that situation with the elevation. So that's going to be a real tough one. And uh, I, I don't want to bury the, I don't want to undercut this whole conversation, but it does feel like if they win that one, we can safely start prepping for the four five series. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like if they lose, we have Stu going. Yeah. And, and apparently uh, Donnie did mention uh, post game that, you know, they, they understand that the three seed is potentially up for grabs and the Cavs are going to have something to play for. And, you know, the, the games against Atlanta and New York this week, I think those ones you're still going to see kind of a tighter rotation. But the rest of the way, when you, when you look at those other teams, I wouldn't mind just kind of almost like a, a preseason rotation where JB kind of caps the starters minutes at 30, let's say. And, okay, we're going to go a, a set rotation throughout the course of a game. And regardless of how we play, we're going to, to stick to that rotation. You guys got to take care of business. You got to play your 30 minutes hard. Uh, but we're we're going to keep us, you know, keep us from getting, you know, rusty by by not playing it and keep the conditioning up. But understanding that, hey, these teams aren't as good as the Cavs and, and we can get a little deeper in our rotation here. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe you get deeper in your rotation, but I, I'm not doing any man caps, man. Not even a not even a soft one. Um I'm 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 trying to win out. Um mm-hmm. I talked I mean, about they this. They are so young. It's not like yeah, they're so young. It. And and Justin, you got to remember the rest thing. So they they have tomorrow off. They play uh, Tuesday against in Atlanta. Then they get another two days off. Man, uh, which is just crazy. How many days off they've had in the last two weeks? They get another two days off. Uh, then they then they play four games in in eight days. Uh, New York, Indy, Orlando, Orlando. But again, it's a home. It's a, it's one of those baseball series. There's the only two, two cities, right? Like you play yeah. New York and you play Indian Cleveland and both games in Orlando. So limited travel there. Yeah. And then you get another two days off before you play Charlotte. And then remember, Justin, the play in tournament eats up a couple days now. That's a good point. So like they should have plenty of rest. Like again, should you play an injured player? I know Isaac Okoro left today's game with knee soreness. If he's hurt, and they're in the medical staff tells you there's any chance of him overcompensating and or or damaging his knee, then of course you have to be smart. But like I think that this team if this team is going to the playoffs on a 10 game win streak because they won out, um <laughs> whether or not they they get the uh the the three seed, maybe maybe you wait until that last game against Charlotte and kind of just see. And and by the way, that is like the tankiest game of the year. (laughs) If you're Charlotte, like the last game of the season, uh, you know? Um, so like, I I just think it makes so much sense to try to win all these games. Um, it sets a good template. It sets a good standard. This team is not a bunch of wily vets. Like, uh, the ones Richard Jefferson was talking about in that audio drop where they could (laughs) kind of 
go at 60% speed and then all of a sudden turn it on. Like I kind of want to just see this team, uh, uh, go, uh, full throttle into the postseason. Um, and, and I think again, uh, I, I felt like they might be able to do this. Uh, you know, rarely does someone call a 10 game winning streak (laughs) ahead of time, but I really felt like they had a chance to do it. Um, and I still do. And I, because the circumstances line up, the competition lines up, they're going to be favored against everyone the rest of the way, barring again, an injury, um, or, or, you know, uh, a mass sitting, uh, and man, if they, whether or not they catch Philly, I just think it says something about, you know, it says something about belief in your team that like, Hey, we're, we're ready to take this seriously. And we're ready to, you know, we're not going to spend game one of the freaking playoffs trying to remember how to play super intense. Um, they're young enough that they don't need to, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And and you see the benefits of, of still, even though we, we haven't seen real complete games against Brooklyn and Houston, you you still see them like come out on the right foot, right? Like they've, they've played good basketball. They're, they're still trying, they're still running stuff. And you see the benefits of getting someone like Karis LeVert on track, who, who now has 11 straight games with at least one steal, uh, big, big steal to, to kind of put the game into garbage time. Uh, in this one, Ricky Rubio is moving a whole lot better. I, I think uh, th- there was that uh, fast break where I, I believe he had the the dump off to, to Mobley for the dunk, and it just looked like vintage Ricky Rubio, where there's a little bit of deception with the dribble and the drop off pass. Like he's moving well out there, and uh, obviously the health of Isaac Okoro is something worth uh, monitoring. JB said that Okoro has been dealing with some uh, knee soreness uh, for a little while, and it flared up heading into the second half. And given the fact that the team had the lead, they decided to play it safe. So playing only twice uh, between now and or, and Friday, uh, that's definitely an advantage. Um, as you mentioned, they're they're going to be able to you know get that the treatment it needs and, and play things safe. But they don't have the depth to, to not have Isaac Okoro. Like he nope. is, he has really brought stability to the starting lineup. Uh, I believe their their net rating since he he's uh, joined it full time as a starter is up around plus ten now. Um, like it's been incredibly good. It's brought stability to this lineup. And now that those bench pieces in Levert and Rubio are finding their footing and finding a bit of a groove, it's so important to maintain that chemistry to to keep them in their spot. And, uh, with with Dean Wade, not looking like himself, the, the last few times that we've seen him, you just don't, you really have the option to to go to anybody else. Yeah. You're, you're a hundred percent correct. Um, I want to pivot a little bit to um you know late season standings chicanery um the the Knicks are currently in the five spot let's 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 assume uh because the odds are low let's let's assume that the Cavs are the three seed for now or uh, the four seed for now oh I was about sorry, to say sorry, God sorry, you're sorry, taking sorry, assumptions sorry. um uh the Knicks uh are currently in the five they're about they're two games up on Miami Mm-hmm. Uh, the Knicks have an enormous week. Uh, on Wednesday, they host Miami, and then on Friday, they go to Cleveland. Yeah. If you're the Cavs, are you playing the basketball chicanery? Are you tempting the basketball gods and saying, hmm, against the Knicks, maybe we won't give it up. Maybe, maybe we'll get everyone the night off and make sure the Knicks uh, hold sway. Because if Miami beats, I mean, that's a tough match for Miami because it's the second half of a road back-to-back when they play uh, the Knicks. Um, but if Miami wins that game and then the Cavs win that game, 
Like the Knicks, I believe, are going to be pretty close to being in danger of dropping. Um, yeah. Now Miami has had a penchant for losing the worst possible games. Yeah, they just um, got blown the hell out by Brooklyn. Yeah, and one of the ugliest second halves you'll ever see. Uh, they they scored 31 points uh, in the second half. Uh, <laughs> and then and Brooklyn just got blown out by Orlando. Yes. So, um, you know, like, my question is, how... If if you are JB, if you are Kobe Altman, if you are this front, if you are this franchise, are you trying to do anything to actively dodge uh, the Miami Heat uh, in the first round, or or in, are you actively trying to work towards any specific matchup, or are you just going to try to win games? Yeah, I, I think that's actually the better question because I I have sensed a, a split talking to people on whether they'd rather play Miami or if they'd rather play New York. I think both kind of. Both introduce unique challenges. I would not be doing any kind of craftiness. Like it, one, it's so close that I don't think you can predict who's going to be five, six, and seven. Two, like there's just the value. Like we talked about, there's, there's the value of trying to win all these games to to maintain, uh, you know, a, a high level of basketball. And um, also, like you don't want to lose that game on Friday and give New York a level of confidence going into the playoffs. If you are playing them, right? Like you want to kind of send a message and especially when it seems like there's a little bit of turmoil going on with that team, Julius Randall seems unhappy and his play can spiral whenever that's the case. You don't want to give them any oxygen. Like you want to stomp out hope. And honestly, like I do think Miami is the tougher matchup. And, and the reasoning behind that is I think Jimmy Butler is a better player. Uh, than Jalen Brunson, especially in the playoffs. I think Bam Adebayo is better than Julius Randle. And I think Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the league for my money. And those things really matter. The experience they have really matters. I would pick the Cavs in either of those series. But I think you're going to get a hard-fought series with either of those teams. I think New York presents unique challenges because I think they can test the Cavs a bit at the point of attack. The three-point shooting is something that would be worth monitoring, how the Cavs... Uh, wh- whether they're able to play consistent three-point defense and, and deal with what they're able to do uh, on, on that end of the court. Miami, it's just, you know, it's the experience. It's how hard they play. The, the adjustments that, you know, I suppose going to make the, the ability of Jimmy Butler to drag a team that isn't as talented as the one across from him to a series win. We've seen that so often recently. They almost beat Boston last year. So um, I, I think both of those teams would give the Cavs a unique challenge. And that's why I think it's so important for Cleveland to continue playing basketball at a high level, to continue working on ironing out everything that they can iron out. We know that they're going to be in an experience deficit in the playoffs, but that doesn't mean you can't do as much as humanly possible to prepare to battle these teams at that level. Yeah, I think you nailed it first and foremost with the fact that the standings are just too crazy to try. Like, it would be really foolhardy to... Um, to to stop trying to fight for three, um, and and then let Miami jump the Knicks, you know, um, and then all of a sudden you have Miami. So even even if you wanted to dodge, I think it's going to be too fine of a line to try to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're also right that they shouldn't. Uh, even if they can control it, they shouldn't. Um, because the reality is this team is the second best net rating in the league, the number one defense in the league. This Miami team is not good. They're being outscored on the season. They're being outscored by 0.8 points per game uh, over the run. The Knicks, they're a better team, but they are, they're dragging right now. They've lost three in a row. Um, I think that 
the Cavs have four of the six best players in the series. Um, and I, uh, and frankly, um, I, I think this is where, uh, I was listening to, I want to say it was road tripping, uh, where they felt like Brunson and Randall were the best, were the next two, uh, after, mm. after Donnie, I do not agree. Uh, I think Darius is better than Jalen Brunson. Now so, you're speaking my language. Thank so you, Carter. I, I, uh, and, and frankly, uh, and certainly, for, honestly, I think he's better than Julius Randle. So I think the Cavs have four of the six, top six players uh, in, in the series. I think they probably have the two best players in the series. They should win. So, like, the fact of the matter is, if this team is going to win a mid-50s uh, amount of games against a Knicks team that does not have elite star superstar-level talent... Um, and you know, do not have elite superstar level role players and roster construction. Like they should be able to beat either of these teams. And if they don't, uh, that is, that gives you as much to learn from as anything. So like, I do not think they should dodge. Um, I, and I, and I really, really want to see them just go for it. I just want to see them. I want them to have the confidence as a team to just say, we can beat anyone. I want them to not even be thinking about these two teams as as legitimate threats uh beyond you know being professional and taking care of business because i think they should be thinking even if i don't think they're on the level of the top three in the east right now i think they should be thinking they are yeah if that I, makes I, sense yeah like well, like they like any team or player should be 20 percent more confident than i am in them because that's <laughs> that you know that's just being you have to have that uh to to succeed right yeah right completely agree i'm i'm happy to see this personal growth from you i, I really was expecting you to say try to avoid brooklyn nets at, at all costs oh um, my i but, hate you <laughs> uh, but i'm actually going to backtrack there there is a team that i'd like to avoid carter and that is the milwaukee bucks if i can avoid anyone it's the damn milwaukee bucks that's why i want to get up to the three seed because whether it's new york or whether it's miami it is going to be a hard-fought series and going back to our, our preseason discussion where everyone was picking the Cavs like seven or eight uh, to finish in the Eastern Conference, seeding isn't determined by sitting down with someone and having a debate about the merits of each roster, right? It's by going out and doing it. Same thing goes for a playoff series. Like people are going to have a disagreement about who's the better player, but the Cavs have multiple guys that are capable of being the best player in an individual game, in an individual series. Honestly, Evan Mobley is capable of being a better player than anybody. He's he's capable of being the best player on the court right now in any one individual game. We we saw playoff series. We saw NBA finals where Kyrie Irving outplayed Steph Curry, and everyone would say consensus, Steph is the better player, right? So that's what it's going to come down to. That's what playoff basketball is all about. It's not about these conversations that we have at the end of March about where the, the players line up and how they stack. No, up. that's probably about, that's probably how it works. <laughs> probably <just laughs> March conversations on podcasts. Right. But honestly, like I, I, I want to avoid the Milwaukee bucks if possible, because I do think that this Cavs team is good enough to push almost anybody. I think, I think they could give the bucks a hard fought series, even if it's only like a 2017 finals where it goes five games, but a lot of them come down to the wire. I think they can do that against the bucks. And then it comes down to those 50, 50 plays. I just feel better about their chances of doing that against the the Boston Celtics. I also think they'll learn more uh, in a Celtics series. Um, I like I just think the Giannis battering Ram. <laughs> yeah, you just like you, you is, just you it, look at the film and you flattens, go. It flattens. It flattens. <laughs> that's the, the that's impossible. What what am I supposed to do with this? Like, <laughs> where 
Whereas I think schematically, like it is going to be a bit of a scheme battle with Boston. Yeah. Um, uh, and like, you know, you'll learn, about, and like, I think we'll learn a lot about the three point definitely the, the, how much the shooting, uh, disparity matters, uh, team versus team, uh, in a seven game series. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm with you and I hear you, man. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it makes a lot of sense that you might want to, you might want to dodge that Bucks team. Plus like, dude, the three seed. In fifty in this East, fifty like if, again uh, they have to win out to get yeah. the three seed. So if they get it, that means they won fifty four <laughs> games in year one of this thing. Well, they don't have to win out. In theory, Philly could lose five games, yeah, but they're not going to. <laughs> you never know. Joel Embiid can get shut down. He's always dealing with something. He's questionable for every single game. You, you never know. But it would be amazing, honestly, to to win out. And um, I still. I still feel like they're going to drop one. And honestly, this week is probably going to be the most important, you know, playing at Atlanta and New York. Either of those teams can, can beat the Cavs on, on the right night. So uh, we can't talk like anyone a, can beat well, anyone on the right. I mean, yeah. Bro- Brooklyn, uh, out, you know, just ran Miami off, off the road in the game. They needed to win. Uh, Charlotte beat Dallas uh, yeah. tonight. Orlando, Orlando beat Brooklyn up. tonight. Yeah. Or, Orlando right. has swept Boston this series, right? Like yeah. they've, uh, and we have to play them twice. Uh, Char- like you, you never know how this is going to go. So we, we can't talk about it like it's a foregone conclusion. But... Of course it's not. It would be stunning if they did it and super freaking exciting. Yeah, but you know me. I, I compartmentalize the regular season and the playoffs. I think you can have a successful regular season that's a win and underachieve in the playoffs. I would like to see the Cavs have successful regular season and postseason where we feel great about the outcomes of both. I think they're well positioned to do so. But like we've said a million times, you're sometimes how you do in the postseason is dictated by how strong you finish in the regular season, the position you put yourself in. And honestly, like if Miami is the seven seed, there's a possibility. Like if we want to get completely damn reckless, Carter, there's a possibility that they could upset Boston in a series. And then if you're the three seed, you would have home court in the second round. Like, Things can get weird, right? Like you, you, injuries can shift a series. We, we, we've we seen Golden State win two titles that way, right? Like there, there's so many things that, that can happen when you get to the, the postseason. So you want to give yourself the best possible chance. Absolutely. By the way, wouldn't it be so funny if the Cavs worked all the way to get up to the three seed and then Boston somehow passed Milwaukee? <laughs> one. <laughs> They're still only a game and a half back. It's not that, that's actually not inconceivable. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what we should just be rooting for is just to end up on the Boston side just, of the bracket. You know what? Screw rooting for the Cavs to win out. I'm going to root for the Bucks to win out. <laughs> I, I'm sure the Eurostep is hoping for the, the same thing. Shout, Shout out to, out to our boy Ty. Who, who just does a terrific job. And, and you know what? That would be one of the advantages of yeah, we'd have great pods. We'd have amazing podcasts for that series. I honestly, I feel pretty good about our ability to uh, do some great coverage. Uh, no, no matter who we line up with, because we've got some good relationships with a lot of these, uh, the people that cover these teams. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's a lot of fun. Carter, the one thing I want to touch on, I don't think we should go this deep on it. So that's why I'm bringing it up here at the end of the podcast. I know you have gripes about the award season. I have gripes about the award season. But as the Cavs have now clinched a playoff berth, as it looks like they're going to win 50 games, I remain just blown away by how how rare it is to hear any Cavs come up in any awards talk, whether it's all defense. I was listening to, to Fred Katz on the Athletic Pod, who does a great job. He's talking about 
uh, well, the Bucks had the best defense in the league, so they deserve three guys on all defense. And then he was corrected later on that it was the Cavs. And there was no correction to, to put a single member of the Cavs on the all defensive team. Uh, we're not going to get coach of the year because JB already had the one year where the Cavs far exceeded expectations. And now, now that the Cavs oh, have Mike a, Brown's award. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's also Mike Brown's award. He, he would be my vote. If I had it, no, no offense, JB, you can, you can attack me when, <laughs> when next time you see me, but like, you're also now at this point where it's probably unlikely that he ever wins it because unless there's an injury, which I would rather not go down that route and they overachieve that way. The only way you win coach of the year is by having a down season and then jumping by 17 wins. And the Cavs now have this baseline of they're a good team. So that's always going to get discredited. Uh, the, the player development that the Cavs have that's never going to be attributed to the coaching staff. If anything, it actually hurts the coaching staff because they're like, oh, look, you're being carried by these awesome players that you help develop into all-stars and take the next step of their career. But just all across the board, outside of all NBA, which Bill Simmons and others are like saying, mm, should we really even put Mitchell on there? I'm amazed that the Cavs have this good of a record and you're just not getting any awards love i i think it's absurd and i honestly i think as Cavs fans we've been too nice we need to get more arrogant we need to attack we need to advocate for our guys i i think we we need to start puffing out our chest a little bit no no more of this humble stuff well i've i've done my my job i've been in the dms of both uh dunker spot co-hosts um <laughs> uh uh preemptively yelling at them for leaving uh, uh evan mobley uh off off their defensive teams uh, real quick, I have a JB uh, note that uh, that popped up uh, with regards to just how good I think his he and his staff have been this year. Um, the Cavs are eighth in offensive rating, um, yeah. So like that's way better than you would have thought. They are only point three points per hundred possessions away from sixth. Um, and the fact that and they're point two behind the Dallas Mavericks, who are absolutely smothered with offensive talent. Uh, they've got probably the best wing offensive engine in the league uh, in, in Luka. They have shooting everywhere. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the Cavs are only 0.2 points per 100 possessions worse than those guys is insane. Um, yeah. And JB deserves so much credit. Uh, and, and obviously the players deserve so much credit too for putting together this good of an offense with the kind of personnel that the Cavs have that just isn't supposed to be a top 10 offense anymore uh, in the modern league. That's just not what you see. That's they're, they're breaking all the rules to get here. So yeah. uh, they get a lot of credit for that with regards to the award race stuff. Yeah. It's just weird because it's like, they're not even getting like the honorable. Like I feel like they had, they got more buzz last year. There was NBA.com. So again, this is, this is one of those things where we, we complain about this on the other end. So we should give some credit here where Bleacher Report, uh, they they post their top 10 young cores, and the Cavs weren't part of it two, two years ago. And when you say that it's the outlet, it sounds like it carries so much more weight than it does, when really it's one person writing for Bleacher Report. And uh, I believe it's uh, Steve Ashburner uh, that um, wrote for NBA.com that does the MVP ladder. But they had the top 10. Donnie wasn't part of it. You had both Embiid and Harden which I don't think there's that far ahead of the Cavs that both of them should be getting more MVP buzz than Donnie. And Donnie didn't even make the five honorable mentions. He was in the top 15. 
Dame was on there and they have a top five lotto odds. Like, what are we doing here? What, how are, what, what is the deal? I, I don't understand it. I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And, um, I'm, I wonder how much the bump is going to come next year when the Cavs have double the amount of national games. Um, because they just really like they have people got to remember they didn't have, um, a premium national TV schedule because the, the schedule got made before Donnie was on the team. Yeah. And like, you know, they just don't have the exposure. Some of these other teams have, um, I think that there are some other, you know, risers, uh, in the standings that are a little more shocking. Um, and then the team, then there, there've been all these really, really loud underperformers that just are eating a lot of the discourse oxygen, you know, like there's so much conversation about the Lakers, uh, uh, not being good. There's so much conversation. There was so much conversation about the Nets being dysfunctional, the Warriors, uh, the, you know, the Mavs. And I, and maybe it's just turning into this cocktail where we're too stable. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, and like, they're just like names that are just kind of pre, I, I just think like, you know, I, I, I was tweeting this, but like people are just so sure Jaron Jackson Jr. should be above Evan Mobley and defensive player of the year and first team all defense. And I'm just not sure that I don't understand why that's an open and shut case when Mobley's play, played a thousand one zero 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 more minutes this season than Jaron uh, leads the number one defense in the league as opposed to the number two, um, you know, like defensive rebounds better. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some of those catch-alls have Mobley above him as well. So I'm just like, why is this just, I get it. Like, I, I totally understand if you're going to land on Jaron Jackson Jr. for a defensive player of the year for first team all NBA, whatever it, you may choose. But like, why are we just like, why is it not even a conversation? Like I, why am I not hearing Zach Lowe do his weird thing where he's like ripping himself apart? Like, I just don't know. I I looked at the numbers. I compared my spread. No, it's just like, yes. Yeah, so Jaron Jackson's going to be first team. Um, and I'm like, why? So I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm a little thrown. Uh, it's fine. Um, you know, I think, I think in the, in the aggregate, and by the way, the only award I actually care about is, is the all defense. I don't know why, but that one, I'm just like really, you know, that's, Honestly, um, both Mobley and Allen should be on there. Both they, Mobley and Allen should, should be, be on there. but if neither, we riot. We burn we Utica riot. to the ground. And like I I I just I, I'm just very flummoxed because it I'm not seeing the discourse from the people who I would normally see it from. You yeah. know, it's like I don't care about like what's on first take. I just don't. You know, no, like I, that's not no. that's not basketball media that matters to me. But like like if I see our boy, Nikias Duncan, put someone like Jaden McDaniels <laughs> over Evan Mobley on, on an all defensive team. Uh, then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I already told Steve, I'm going to send a voice memo and ask him to play it on the pod where, <laughs> where I light him up. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, uh, you know, it, it just seems so clear that they should, that both those guys should be, you know, well in the mix, given their minutes, given the Cavs defensive stature, given the rest of the roster construction, these dudes played with Kevin Love as their front court partner, uh, mm-hmm. when they, uh, for half the year, um, lifting up a backcourt that everyone said would be the reason they wouldn't be as good defensively 
Yeah. Um, and obviously I don't want to take away any credit from Darius or Donovan, but like, we know how these conversations typically work, uh, when, when this stuff is evaluated, like, I don't think anyone, like, I don't think anyone's even getting to the point where they're, where they're like, huh, Mobley is carrying Donnie and Darius. They're not even getting to the point where they're like, well, actually those guys are better. I don't even think they're getting there. I don't even no. think there's, they're, they're not even far enough down the road to evaluate that stuff. And like, I, I it just, it, I, I really thought I was post award angst. Um, and, and I think I am for the most part, but like this one, it's just the, like, it's the all in, it's the all defensive team that mm-hmm. like, I was just like, it just seems weird to me. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I feel like no one is advocating appropriately. Um, and, uh, damn it. I guess we'll have to do it, huh? Yeah, you know, we we got the platform for a reason, man. And you know what? I'm I'm mostly like I'm I'm not staying up at night thinking about NBA awards. Um yeah, like, these like, people are gonna make me look up defensive advanced metrics. That's not fair to me. No, that's not fun. That's that's, that's lame. I'm thirty two years old. Come on. <laughs> Come on, blog boys. L- like like Do all my things. work for me. Like all of my opinions, I, I have my opinions and then on the podcast, I just dial up the volume a little bit. So that's it's no exception here. And I found myself agreeing uh, with Jeff and Gunny and some of the other people that talked about just how flawed award voting is because nobody's watching enough games like it's just impossible. Um, There's just always going to be these blind spots. And um, I don't know if you listen to, to this podcast, Carter, but I, I would recommend our listeners uh, subscribe to Thinking Basketball as well. Free oh, advertisement. So good free shout out they, they did a great podcast on kind of evaluating coaches and how the discourse is usually the only things that matter are rotations and adjustments where we completely forget about player development we'll we'll talk about how a team just needs to make a coaching change to to get over the hump or to get to that next level and they assume that the starting point is where the team is currently at not factoring in all the systems that the current coaching staff has installed is what got them to that place right and uh, they don't think about player development. They don't think about relationship management, the, the buy-in and all that. And uh, like, it, it's just so obvious when you watch the Cavs that they're invested in what they're doing. And the biggest marker for me, especially with a team this young, is that they keep getting better. Everyone gets better. Not even just the young guys. Like, Karras has evolved in his role, right? Like, that is so damn encouraging. And I think JB deserves a shout-out. He is nine games back, Carter of fifth all time for Cavs coaching wins. He's he's nine back of Ty Lue, so he won't get it this season. He will get it at the start of next season in all likelihood. Um, unless we go like 0 of 82 or something next year. I don't see that happening. Um, but like he's done a phenomenal job and I just felt like he deserves a shout out and the Cavs deserve more love in award season in general, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I'm getting worked up ahead of time. So hopefully by the time it happens, I'll, I'll be yeah. a little bit more at peace. But and, yeah, and we don't need cool to... season. It's fun. It's fun in a way, even though I hate angsting about awards because I know they're just it's so stupid and subjective. And frankly, it's probably better if the Cavs don't win awards because then they'll be mad and work harder. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, like at, at the most selfish level, like maybe you want that. Um, but like it, it also is kind of fun to, to like, like, like your team so much that you're like, is anyone else seeing this? Yeah. <laughs> we, we are still kind of in, in that hipster mode where we're, uh, we're, we're onto something that, you know, it's, it's really good. It's, it's better than people understand. And it's going to go mainstream very soon, man. Like if we have a series against the Knicks, I think, uh, you're, you're going to get a lot of attention on, on what makes the Cavs as good as they are. So that that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think 
think we're right on the verge of it, man. I, I think uh, people are, they're going to be forced, man. They're, they're going to be forced to, to recognize how good the Cavs are because I, I think this team is very clearly coming for the rest of the NBA. Oh, hell yeah, brother. Let's go. Yeah. Well, if I had an award uh, for best podcast co-host, I would certainly give it to you, buddy. And I would also give an award to our audience. You guys are the best. All the support you give us uh, is really, really appreciated. Uh, could not be more excited to be heading into the postseason. We're finally back. We're, we're going to figure out how to podcast in, in the playoffs again, Carter. This is amazing. Big thanks to everyone that tuned in live on YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe. Click notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, leave us a rating, a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Downs exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cavs.